Welcome to First Reading, the Old Testament lectionary podcast. I'm Tim McNinch, and I teach Hebrew Bible at Christian Theological Seminary. And I'm Rachel Wren. I teach Biblical Studies at Trinity Lutheran Seminary at Capital University. The first reading for October 22nd, 2023 is Exodus 33, verses 12 through 23. This is such a fun text, and yes, I do think it's it's probably one of my favorite passages. And you got it, so I'm a little jealous. <laughs> but go ahead, can you uh, can you set the scene for us? Yes, yeah, so we're, we're jumping into the middle of a story here, right? So um, this is following more or less immediately after that golden calf incident. Mm. Um, where where while while Moses is away, the people play. The Israelites play. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> and they build a calf to represent their God who brought them out of Egypt and worship that. Well, according to Aaron, it just sort of jumped out of the fire. I mean, yes, what are you going to do right. at that point? I just put in the jewelry and out popped this calf. Yes. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole wave of consequence uh, that mm-hmm. follows in the wake of that and a bunch of um, just excruciating violence, um, but also a deity yeah. who uh, says, that's it. Uh, this this is done. Mm-hmm. And uh, Moses steps up to intercede for the people and mm-hmm. convinces God not to simply wipe them off the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. Nice of him. But now we pick up the story uh, as this negotiation is ongoing between Moses and God in the tent of meeting. Mm. And uh, at the beginning, as we jump into this text in verse one, at the beginning of the chapter, God is telling Moses to take the people away from Mount Horeb, to go ahead, go to the promised land, but I'm staying here, says God. (laughs) I'm staying here at the mountain. The lectionary picks up in verse 12, where Moses is cashing in on whatever social capital that he has with God (laughs) and asks God to go with them and and actually accompany them, lead them into the land Mm -hmm. based on what the the friendship that Moses has with God Mm -hmm. and uh, Moses' own desire for continued interaction with this deity. I need to Mm -hmm. learn more. I need to teach more. I need to know your ways. And Mm -hmm. I can't do that if you're here on the mountain and I'm leading the people into the (laughs) land. So you need to come with with them for me. Um, But then also, these are your people. Yeah, right. <laughs> These are your children. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I may be the nanny, you're yes. the parent. <laughs> yes, so they are your responsibility. And and God agrees. Mm-hmm. God's face will go with them. <laughs> but Moses keeps pushing, right? Uh, he's not satisfied with that. And he says, no, no, really, you better go with us. <laughs> and God says, yeah, yeah, I will. I really will. I'm going to go. <laughs> And that's where we get to uh, Moses saying, show me your glory, Uh. which I sort of read as Moses's Jerry Maguire, show me the money moment, right? (laughs) Show me the glory. (laughs) You're dating yourself, but I love the reference. It's perfect. (laughs) And God agrees to this as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Within certain limits that won't kill Moses, yeah. and then the the narration of that divine revelation of God's kavod, God's presence to to Moses, is in the next chapter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how this this story unfolds, and there's all sorts of drama. It's it's a it's a really interesting mm-hmm. text. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And I think it's one of those that typically we read quickly because it's hard to understand. Like if you, if you're not centered in the narrative of Exodus, it's sort of like, well, I don't really understand what's the back and forth happening here. And mm-hmm. remember Moses didn't want this job in the first place. Right. And right. The only reason he took it is because number one, Aaron was supposed to do the talking, but number two, God was supposed to go with him the entire mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's something that's going to come out as we think through this passage, you know, the the way that this fits with Moses' own characterization in the story, Mm -hmm. right? Um, One of my questions that I kept asking uh, as I was reading was, why is he pushing it? Mm. Like Mm -hmm. he said, no, God, you need to come with us. And God says, yeah, sure, I'll come. Mm -hmm. And then Moses says, no, really, you need to come (laughs) with us. I'm like, you got what you were looking for. Why are you pushing this, yeah. right? Yeah. Did you and ever I, come up with a solution to that or an answer to that? Well, I think that I think it fits with Moses' own sense of insecurity and his mm. need for reassurance. It mm-hmm. reminded me of of uh, his first encounter with God in Exodus three and four. Yeah. Yeah. Where God gives him this this role to play, but he needs all of this. Like, I need signs. Yeah. I need uh, I need to know your name so I can tell them exactly like who you are, who's sending me. <laughs> Uh, I just need uh, um, somebody else to speak for me, to to yeah. be my mouthpiece. Um, Moses needs help. He needs reassurance. Mm. So, so it's kind of interesting because um, often this passage is read as demonstrating Moses' boldness mm. to mm. to uh, request these things from God, to intercede powerfully on behalf of the Israelites, and in a way that's there, but also there's this sort of frailty in Moses yeah. of yeah. of never being quite satisfied with um, just the the word of God. Yes, I'll I'll do mm. it. I'll go with you. But I need to know for sure. That's fascinating. I'd never thought about it that way, but I think I think you're right, and I think it really does help to juxtapose it with that initial encounter with God, where He's given so many signs physical signs of reassurance because mm-hmm. here we have a similar emphasis on the physicality especially in the body language that suffuses this text. Yeah, I know you like um bible body language, right? So <laughs> there's a lot in here and especially the term face, mm-hmm. pen or panim in Hebrew. I didn't count, but it's it's basically several times in every verse like it's sure. it's a big deal both in the sense of of God's physical face however we would understand that in this context mm-hmm. but also in the term like going before or God's presence or all of these have that word panim sort of embedded in it so mm-hmm. that when you're reading in Hebrew it's just it's just showing up everywhere mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in addition the other the other sort of body language that really jumps out is eyes um Moses talks about having favor in God's eyes, um, you know, four or five or six times in this short passage. Mm-hmm. Um, and also talking about, you know, how, how the nations will see, see the people. And yeah, so, so eyes and uh, God's eyes in particular mm-hmm. are a part of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when uh, God says that Moses will be able to see the divine presence, mm. it will only be God's back, achor. Mm-hmm. So there's a physicality to even the <laughs> limited um, experience that Moses will have of seeing God. And his view will be blocked by what? God's hand. God's hand. Yes. Yeah. So so there's that. Even even the kavod yeah. which mm-hmm. is a kind of physicality. 
yeah, very uh, a, so. a tangible sense mm-hmm. of God's presence, as the as is the compassion of God, which mm-hmm. which comes from the word rechem, womb. Mm-hmm. You know, this yeah. is a a, f- a physical uh, body language term. Mm-hmm. So yeah. all of this sort of permeates this. What Moses is looking for is a a tangible physical. Yeah sign and reassurance from God that what God has spoken, yes, I'll go with you, mm-hmm. will be confirmed through this um, physical, tangible experience of reassurance. I think I, I think I can see some of the preaching angles you're leaning towards here. Do you want to talk about any any pitfalls before you get there, or do you want to jump right to the preaching angles? So there is there is one. I don't know if this is exactly a preaching pitfall, but it's something that's challenging about this text, especially mm-hmm. for modern readers like us. Uh, all that physicality about God and the question about whether God's going to go with um, the people or not mm-hmm. really sort of um, paints a picture of a deity who's localized, who has mm-hmm. a place at the mountain. Whereas we, at least I do, tend to have this sort of doctrine or theology of God as omnipresent. God's mm-hmm. everywhere. Mm-hmm. So why does it matter whether, how would we even frame that that God stays in one place while the people go to another place? Why is this even an issue for them if God's everywhere? Yeah. So so that seems like a, a challenge that's in this story. And uh, I, I think one way to think about it is to remember that this comes from an ancient Southwest Asian context, right? Where mm-hmm. deities really did have a kind of localized headquarters, a place yeah. where they they were where they were. <laughs> yeah. And for this deity, uh, this deity's home was this mountain, Horeb mm-hmm. or Sinai. And Moses is asking, is pleading for this God to leave headquarters and come <laughs> with them into a new, a new place, a new home, this, this land of promise. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think uh, in that context, even though we ourselves may say that we have a doctrine of God's omnipresence, even today, we still experience a kind of presence and absence of yeah. God, at least in, in, our, in our own experiences, right? And we've, we sense a desire that God would be more present to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if we frame that as something where we're looking to realize or experience a God who's already present with us. Mm-hmm. Still, the language of, of Moses' plea with God to come with us, don't, don't stay here, but come with us, yeah. is something that we can make use of as we think about our own prayers, that God would be with us, accompany us uh, in, in the challenges that we face. I think that's really nice. It almost puts me in mind too of the the road to Emmaus, where um, you know the the two disciples say, "Stay with us now, for it is the evening and the day is almost over." You know, there's mm-hmm. kind of that human mm-hmm. sense of like, "Dude, it's it's dangerous at night. You should come with us." But also that undercurrent of human longing of "Stay with us, stay with us, stay with us." Yeah. So I guess as far as preaching angles go, then um, there are there are a couple avenues you could go. One is the idea here of Moses interceding on behalf of the people. And this is actually quite quite a common angle that preachers take with this text. Moses here sort of stands up as a model of the, the prayerful intercession of leaders on behalf of people, appealing to God's friendship and God's responsibility towards the people so that um, God shows kindness, uh, uh, grace toward the people. That's there in this text. And it's, a, I think, a valid preaching angle to take. Mm-hmm. Um, what strikes me perhaps even more strongly than that would be a, a different preaching angle, 
one that takes a look at what we talked about, Moses's characteristic insecurity in the passage, <laughs> which maybe this is just me, but I, I tend to identify more with that side of Moses <laughs> and um, of just his neediness, his needing reassurance from God, even beyond just the simple, yes, I'll be with you. Mm. And if this text is a witness uh, to some sort of divine reality, it's saying that God is actually responsive to those mm. sorts of needs and requests, that Moses' yeah. needs for presence, for reassurance, God was happy to provide that. Mm. So if even Moses was a doubter, mm. <laughs> this testifies to the truth that God can handle our doubts too. Mm. And I think this, this is a passage that invites us to continue to engage with God as we walk out our experience with God. Yeah. And to speak those doubts, to not mm -hmm. be afraid of what the divine reaction is going to be to saying, you know, what, God, I'm really not sure right now. Like this is really unclear to me and I could use some help. I, I find it so difficult sometimes to articulate my personal theology. I don't know if you feel this way because there's what I think and mm -hmm. then there's sometimes the way I act or the way I pray, which doesn't always line up with what I think. For instance, I do not believe that God is divine slot machine, where I put in prayer, pull down the lever, and out comes blessing or help or mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. whatever it might be. And yet, when I finally ask for those things, when I ask for that presence or that help, when I articulate that to God, I find myself receiving it. And it's possible that it's there all along and I just become aware of it. But right. there also does seem to be a reality to the relational aspect of God, of, of wanting to be interacting with people in that way. And like you said, if Moses doubted, God can handle what we've got going on as well. Yeah. This, this passage at the beginning of it talks about Moses speaking with God as a person converses with their neighbor. Mm-hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, that that relational aspect, the relational sense of this this deity in this story, is I think one of the really important parts of of the theology that's here. This is a God who values relationship, yeah, and and that's that's significant. Mm. That's great. Well, I think that's perfect. I think that's a great way to end. And you've given a lot for people to think about and chew on of this this physical deity who is willing to go with us and, and to reassure us in many and various ways, just like Moses needed. So thanks for that, Tim. First Reading is produced by the brilliant Tim McNinch and me, along with our friends Rosie Candethal and Paul Essa. You can learn more about the podcast, find other episodes, and just enjoy a couple of five minutes of some great pictures, because we've got some great pictures, at firstreadingpodcast.com. If you've been finding these conversations helpful, maybe consider donating to support our work. You can find links to give just one-time gifts or set up regular contributions on our website. You can also find us wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, I'm Rachel Wren. And I'm Tim McNinch. Thanks for listening and have a great week.